0: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome
1: to a casual Friday episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Area Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Like I said, casual Friday means my man Aaron Quinn. Cover one is with me. A little, little bit of an illness last week, man. How 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 you feeling? What's going on? Yeah, it was a. weird
2: week a weird couple of weeks man like since christmas uh one we haven't met up we've only met up once right since the christmas season here yeah. um we had the crazy snowstorm we got to talk about that i was so sore after that snowstorm for a couple of days and then uh we went skiing and that was a terrible experience i went skiing and i'm not a good skier yet and my father-in-law took me up the mountain and i got even more sore from doing that it was uh, luckily i didn't get actual injured uh doing that but and then that led to, you know, um, her, my wife's parents were up and then my mom came up and my mom, when she came up, she had COVID, uh, didn't know it. She got here and then we got sick and dude, I, the two, I was already like really sore and kind of achy from all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not in the best shape that I've been the last couple of years going into it anyway. And, uh, then getting COVID, I think I was just like tired, um all that stuff going on lots of stress and covid just hit me wicked hard for like two and a half days it wasn't good i was just laid up i thought i was going to get a bunch of work done because i had to kind of isolate i didn't get anything done dude i just slept i didn't feel good at all Uh, but then it just disappeared it was honestly i woke up one day and i had the fever and it got over it and uh disappeared so luckily hopefully nothing pops back up here i'm still i guess technically in the window where it could pop up i uh, feeling great the last few days uh and shook it but man it hit me hard for a couple of days for sure fatigue fatigue was the biggest thing tired man just achy i think it just added to the soreness i had um and just every time i got out of bed and started trying to move around whenever i'm sick i try to get moving to get the juices flowing man every time i tried moving around i couldn't i was taking ibuprofen all the time just to try to you know, it just felt like a, I hate to minimize it because of the experience a lot of other people have had. But for me, it felt like a very bad flu. Uh And I just don't I don't do well sick, man. I'm a huge baby. When I'm so sick. I yeah. needy, needy, whiny. super needy. yeah, my poor wife. She had to take yeah. some time off work and <laughs> wait on my dumb ass. Like,
1: and I'm texting her like, oh, can you get me this? Like just whiny. uh I'm the worst. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a divided house here over the last couple of years with COVID. My, my wife has gotten it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. My son and I, neither of us have had it. My daughter's had it. I, She's had it once. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, Thanks, man. We're going to talk, obviously. I mean, it's a huge week for the Buffalo Bills. Playoff time. You know, real quick, before I do get into anything else, mm-hmm. we were talking for just a couple minutes here. I, I wanted to bring this up while it's fresh in my mind. We were talking for a few minutes before we started rolling out the tape here. And cover one is – like grown by leaps and bounds over the last handful of years. And we were kind of talking about like the off season, you know, sometimes it ends abruptly and certainly that's not the expectation this week, but right, it's just, you know, when you talk about like, say, cause I'm doing some rebranding, I'll talk about that. I was going to say
2: for those who are not watching the show on YouTube, it looks fantastic. Pat. I love what you've done here. Super clean, great stuff, man.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's one step of a, a handful of things that are coming up, but you know, like we'll cover one too. You're always like rebranding, changing your look, changing some things about the way, whether it's you or Greg or Eric or just all you guys, the way you do your shows, you know, the schedule and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's really not an off season when it comes to you anymore. You know what I'm saying? It used to be maybe a handful of years ago, the bills would lose. You'd have a wrap up show or two. And then it's, you could take you know, a little time. Yeah, it, it, it take a little bit of time anyway to kind of regroup, but you, know, you right. guys have grown to the point where there is no like off season for you guys, uh whatsoever. But just the thought of something potentially ending abruptly is um it's uh podcast or it's like ugh. when we started doing this,
2: it's still very much a hobby, like right. Like we um it is a business for us. Uh, you know, Greg, Eric, and I own a business and operate it as a business, but it, everybody's got full-time responsibilities and jobs. And so it is still sure. a part-time thing for everybody. But when it started, it was really a hobby. Right. And so you had um, goals and the things you wanted to achieve, but you could afford to, you know, at the end of the season, like you said, do the wrap up show, talk about the clock or cleanup day and, and what you are going to be doing going forward. And then you could take a couple of weeks off and you didn't get hit up all the time and not to sound whatever, man. But like, if we do, take a week off or even now at this point, like miss a Twitter space, as you get people hitting you up because there's an expectation yeah. that the content's going to be in that podcast feed. And we put so much work and effort and money. This is the same conversation I have. People sometimes try to poke and give you, give me a hard time about paying for Twitter blue and getting that check Mark. I was never given a check Mark. Um, I'm, I might not be important enough. I think some of it is if I worked for a different outlet, I would have just been given one just for working for the outlet. So yeah. um To me, the check mark doesn't mean as much, but, uh, paying for it, I think it would be silly if you're making content to not be paying for the check mark because you're just, you're fighting against the current and taking your own time and energy and all that. What goes on into putting out content, which, you know, Pat, it's a lot of work behind the scenes that people know. It's not just getting on and chatting every every day.
1: Right. There's the easy
2: part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you weren't doing these things and participating in the algorithms, like you aren't going to get seen. And so I I don't have any problems with stuff like that, whether it's trying to get out there and and paying to get your uh, name out in the algorithm, algorithm, because it is a lot of work, man. And there is no off season to it anymore when people expect the content to be out there. And so, yeah, we were talking like, the things that are tough are, especially during the season, what you're doing right now, the rebranding. We have a number of shows, and there's definitely a list of work as a guy that helps with, you know, does a lot of the graphic work for the network. There's a list of stuff I haven't been able to get to here uh, in season. And I'm trying to determine when is the offseason going to start? You know, and then when do I jump into draft season? You know, the way the NFL structured things, if you're an NFL content creator, man, it's all year long. You get a few weeks right before training camp starts up uh, where there isn't much expectation of of what you're talking about. But it's a really all year long product now. It's fun, though. A lot of work but it is
1: fun and
2: And we take breaks like uh, mid-february my family and i are going on a vacation and greg will take over and get gas so there's ways to kind of stagger some things and but there is definitely the expectation to have a show in the podcast feed every single week well yeah like
1: but that's a good thing and like you said and to your point also about having that blue mark it also matters for content itself too you know like uh for an example, being able to put clips. I like putting clips up, and sometimes they're more than two minutes to 20 seconds than yes, regular definitely. Twitter. That's a limit of what you can get. If you have Heading. that little blue mark, it allows you to, you know, sometimes it might be three and a half or four minutes, the, the segment, and you really can't cut it. So you're able to put the whole thing out. There's lots of things that are, uh, that are worth it. Like I said, we're going to talk bills in just a, a handful of minutes. But, I mean, this is Casual Friday, and what I like to do on this show, especially having you on every week, when healthy, anyway, or yeah. when there's not a blizzard going on, is uh, we like to talk about other stuff, pop culture things, TV, film, things like mm-hmm. that. This is why I call it Casual Friday, and you know the conversation is a little more casual than the other shows. Uh, you and I both read a and this came out a couple weeks ago, and again, this was we were going to talk about this last week, um, but 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 then you fell sick. The Ro- Rolling Stone magazine put together a list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. And I saw this and I immediately thought you. I was like, this is definitely something that you and I are going to be discussing on this show. And, uh, I want to run down. So again, this was the top 200 list. I want to run down the top 20. Now I personally, and by the way, I have not, I told you what we're going to talk about, but I haven't, I have no, you know, knowledge ahead of time of what, your thoughts are right this you might think these lists are great. you might think they suck i have no idea i just found this interesting i wouldn't go as far as to call it quick bait, but there's just some stuff on here that's like i man, think you're like, doing this for a reaction yeah let me run down the top 20 for everybody who's listening or watching right now and um and again i personally yeah. i don't think the top 20 is very egregious um, don't agree with all of them, but I, I'm going to run these down and then we'll start to get into some specific uh, conversations here. But anyway, they're top 20 greatest singers of all time. And that's what the the word he says, greatest singers of all time. Um, top 20 going down. Marvin Gaye at 20, Frank Sinatra at 19, Celia Cruz at 18. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I, I don't know who Celia Cruz yeah. is. And I pride myself. I know her a lot about music. Right. Don't know who she is. I'm sure I'll hear about that from somebody. Elvis, 17, Prince, 16, Bob uh, Bob Dylan, 15, Freddie Mercury, 14, Patsy Klein 13, John Lennon, 12, Little Richard, um, 11. Top 10, Al Green at 10, Otis Redding at 9, Beyonce at 8, Stevie Wonder at 7, Ray Charles at 6, Mariah Carey at 5, Billie Holiday at 4, Sam Cooke at 3. Whitney Houston at two and Aretha Franklin at number one. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start here. Yeah. Just hearing that top 20 specifically, are yep. there any names that really pop out to you? Like, wow, that's really surprising that, I mean, if they're in the top 20 for the most part, you probably think they're too high. Although maybe and, and I'm wrong. And there's a couple that you might think are too low, but uh, without getting into anyone else yet, yeah, in well, the top your thoughts when you hear that. Here was my thoughts on the top 20. Again,
2: we haven't talked about this. I, I've been interested to talk to you about this one, uh, just all the conversations we've had about music in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start at the top. I'm fine with Aretha being number one. It's not for me. Uh, that I don't even know that she'd be my top five, but I get it. It's an iconic voice, sound, I can I can get there. I can be mm-hmm. there at number one. That's fine. I'm not going to fret over that. Billy Holiday at four feels high. Um, I'm cool with Mariah in the top five. You're not going to get any fights for me in terms of vocalists. Um, I think she's right there. Whitney, I think, would be my number one. Her being at two is also cool. Um, I, I, here where is where I start to get real issues. Ray Charles ahead of Stevie Wonder is kind of silly to me. And also them being back-to-back is kind of silly to me. It feels Mm. that feels contrived. Like it feels that you just did that because it's two blind guys that are, had really great talent. But one, I think Stevie was way better and way more influential in terms of sound of music for multiple uh, years, multiple decades uh, of the sound that he brought to music um, and just much more classic uh, music. So I would have Stevie ahead. Beyonce is not top 10 for me. I I will die on this hill that, I like Beyonce. She makes good songs. I I don't think she's where people believe she is in terms of female vocalists. I I think there's a lot of recency bias in there and she's a product of the music industry system. Like her and her family have played that thing perfectly and they've lined it up. She's very talented. I'm not taking anything away from her, but there's women way more talented and way better singers than her further down this list. And so I don't think she's top 10. That's bad. Um, I don't think Otis Redding belongs in the top 10, especially Marvin Gaye's at 20 and you got Otis Redding at yeah. nine. Like, I do like Otis Redding, but come on, like, there, there's just some spots in this list. Little Richard doesn't belong in the top 20. Um, John Lennon at 12. Like, I'm not a Beatles dude at all. I don't like that sound. Like, I can't get there with the type of vocalists, again, that are beyond on this list. Again, I think some of this stuff's fine. Princess 16's fine but I think he's a better musician than a lot of the people on this list. Like I would have him up higher too. So then kind of in that top 20 Elvis, like I'm not in Elvis. I think there's a lot of pop culture stuff. I don't think he's one of the top 20 singers of all time. It's a weird sound. It definitely captured something. I don't know. It's
1: too broad of a brush.
2: This list. It, and when I agree. you start
1: painting it, it not, a lot of things just don't make sense. It doesn't add up. I keep emphasizing that they call this the top 20 singers of all time and not the, or the top 200 singers, there's a difference between a top or singer, artist, you know, like for an example, you want to talk about artists and you might have Beyonce in the top three just sure. because of what she's done and her success, her brand, everything about her. I agree with you vocally. I'll say this. though: Beyonce doesn't sing a ton of slow songs where she really, really gets to show off her voice. You know, a lot of her stuff is more upbeat
0: she's with the times. Voice, yeah.
1: I love. I love her. I-, I agree with you, though. I-, I think eight might be a little bit too high. I'll tell you, I have no problem with the top four. Aretha Franklin at one. Whitney Houston. I do agree. I think Whitney might be my number one as well. Actually, none of these are my number one personally. I'll tell you about that in a second. However, this would be Pam Moran's list and not a Rolling Stones list, so I understand why no one else on earth would probably agree with us. But anyway, Aretha at one, Whitney two, Sam Cooke. I love Sam Cooke at three, and Billy Holiday at four. I, I-, I like that. Listen. And in, in the 90s, Mariah Carey was incredible. I mean, her, her music's undeniable, her voice on her records. But I've always, not always, but in over the last several years, every ever hear her sing live? Dude, don't sound, it's kind of like Boys the Men to me. I was so disappointed, not to get too off topic here, but I will never forget this. I, I heard Boys the Men music. I'm like, oh my God, I love this group. And I still do love them, their music. It'll live on forever with, with me. And I'm sure you too. But hmm. heard them live, dude. It's like, eh. Didn't sound really good live. Mariah, maybe back in the day when she was much younger, she was she sounded incredible live too. But man, over the last 15, 20 years, maybe. Not as much. Anyway, I think I think Mariah personally is too high of five. I think Marvin Gaye's too low at 20. I've never heard of Celia Cruz, so I really can't comment on her. I agree yeah. with you about Prince. He's almost more of a musician than like a great singer. Again, her, yeah, I artist unique, unique voice. Person. Yeah, unique, sure. The top, one of the top 200, one of the top 16 16 singers But all time. It it seemed like
2: this list was more broad. broad, Like, I know it said singers, but the way, I I don't know what they're, uh, what they laid out for a guide for how they got this. But Kurt Cobain's on this list in the top 50. And so it can't be vocals.
0: Yeah. Like that's I, I, gotta,
2: they've got to be accounting for those I, other I, things you said, the singing, songwriting,
1: the, right. what their uh, influence on pop culture was, like those types right. of things. Now I'll say this too, like, you know, so this is a, a compilation of a bunch of Rolling Stone journalists. Yeah. I don't know who these people are. It would be kind of like if we were doing a, a top Buffalo Bills players of all time and it was featuring, you know, me and Eric Quinn and Joe Marino and Greg Thompson and Bruce yeah, Nolan yeah, yeah. and Nick here and all these guys, we know each other. So we kind of know what each other are thinking. I don't know who these people are, but I would imagine that they all got to take turns making a bigger presentation because some of these people that are on this list are, are like people from the last two or three years. And I'm like, how the hell you, all the years of music decades, you got people who have two or three hits that are that are on this list already there. So there must be some young people represented with uh, you know, these journalists that put this list together. Right. So that was a top 20. Um, l- let me give you, and I'll give you a couple of times. Or a couple of minutes to digest things. I got a couple thoughts here. And again, I would suggest people go read it. Uh, I'm not going to put a link up because it's a long one, but just go to Rolling Stone, the magazine. There's an article, Top 200 Greatest Singers of All Time. It would be here all day if we ran through all 200. But um, just these are little things that I'm talking about vocally. They got Alicia Keys at 185. That's honestly, Pat, not Mm. to cut
2: you off here. The first, you sent me this article, I got really excited. I scrolled down like 20 seconds. It didn't know a bunch of names. There's a couple Mm -hmm. of new artists, like you said, and then I freaking see Alicia Keys and I almost like lost my, you were like, don't tell me any opinions on this, but I almost was like, no, (laughs) fuck you. I'm not doing this (laughs) show. I was so offended. And then it just kept coming up at the further we got down this list and the people and the names that I saw, like I love Sade, Sade, uh, somewhere around 50. She's great. I love Sade. You can't put her, over
1: Alicia Keys voice, dude. You can't do that. You can't do you're, that. You're reaching to the choir. So she's at 185. Mark Anthony, a great singer. He's at 167. Carrie Underwood, who's becoming one of the most successful country music artists of all time, actually, and an amazing singer. She's at 158. And then I look at this list Kelly and again. And I, back there too, isn't? Yeah. She? And I got some notes. Sorry. Right, so I like I like REM. They're fine. Michael Stipe's a good singer, sure. but he ain't. He's ranked higher than Alicia Keys. Mark Anthony on to one Now, John Wuerl or Bulldog from WGR might love that shit, but come on, man. Singing, get out of here. Uh, Barbara Streisand, I don't know how you feel about her, but she's a goddess to me. 147, get the fuck out of here. 147, barely cracking the top 150. Uh, Christina Aguilera at 141, which <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I, and I got this in my notes. Look, I love Eldebar's going back in the day. But he's ranked higher than Barbara Streisand and Christine Aguilar. Bono being at 140. Get the- L fucking DeBarge is ranked higher than Christine Aguilar and Barbara Streisand. Um, yeah, I'm looking through this list again. at the Taylor Swift, commercial Lauren oh, Hill
2: I- at 136, a criminal. I know she doesn't have a huge discography, but it's on tape, no, She's, she's, she's amazing.
1: Taylor Swift, I love, look, man, I like me some Taylor Swift. I love listening to her music. She's is she a fun. great singer, though? She ain't she's like better a fun than the songwriter people. She, right she's 40 spots higher than christina aguilera or barbara streisand that's just something i i, I cannot get past yeah now let me tell you here, here here's what i was Courtney I loves on this list
2: man like this is
1: yeah i get it I, they, they want all types of of genres represented and, and they want all types of uh Bro, periods Huffles of music history represented so i could totally respect them that's why i respect you know so so many uh Current artists being in there as well, going all the way back to the 30s and shit like that. Here's the one, though. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not. My personal number one was ranked 126 on this list. Now, this just, my, I'm just on him right now. Personal. Donnie Hathaway to me is my, I, in my opinion, he's certainly my favorite male singer of all time. Not even my favorite. I think he's the best male singer of all time. Tragically, his life was, you know, cut short. Didn't live long. But 126 to me. Is just absolutely fucking criminal. Uh John Fogarty is ranked higher than Donnie Hathaway, for Christ's sakes. That's criminal. <laughs> that's in my notes. Bill Withers at 106 and Eddie Better at 105, Gladys Light at 101. None of them cracked the top 100. That's that's tough to believe. Lot of 90s, no, lot no, of big, I'm not a big 90s. I don't know if you I don't think you're a big nineties like grunge rock kind of guy. I, I, I am I was kind of like mainstream to an extent, certainly not to the level of I Other wasn't really over, like, grunge. I liked, like, uh, I don't know, more of that, like, all 90s alt rock, I think. hmm Well, I'll tell you, Eddie Vedder from from Pearl Jam, incredible vocalist. So I, I thought that was just uh, too the low. The weekend being at 110 is kind of in,
2: so insulting to Donny Hathaway, man. Yes. Yes, that's and so I, like the weekend. the I like the weekend. The weekend, good. I like the
1: Weeknd, yeah, there's good music. Ain't no, he ain't Donny. He's, salt, not, he's not Donny Hathaway. Yeah. Um, what well, do now, Stevie Nicks, one of the most distinctive voices ever in music. Um, long illustrious career, and she's only at 93. And that's like her the... Bill Withers at 106. He should get some love. <sighs> yeah. Here's the and here's the one that kind of gets me the most, maybe. Now, again, this is this is singers, not artists, so you can make a case that maybe he's not top five. I, I would argue against it, but Michael Jackson's at 86. Dude, right? I got it. Yeah, go I ahead. wanted to. I literally laughed out. You know, we say LOL all the time on social media. I literally LOL in real life when I saw this and he was 86. Mm-hmm. To me, this says this uh, this article is getting too much. Th- the attention is getting too much attention. Don't even deserve it. If you got Michael Jackson at 86? Now, look, I'm a big journey, dude. Steve Harry back in the day. I love journey. He's a very great singer, he's better than Michael Jackson because he's ranked higher than Michael Jackson. Yeah, they got Kirk Cobain at number 36. <laughs> Pat, how's Michael? <clears throat> how are you telling me that there's 85? Forget about success or artist or dancing, and no matter, yeah, there's, there's 86 or 85 better vocalists than Michael Jackson. I got a note here at
2: 40 because I, I had notes through about the top 100 and then I got busy with everything mm-hmm. else. Um, at 40, I Aaliyah. Is at 49, goddammit, I love Aaliyah. And I've no problem with Aaliyah being at 40. That doesn't bother me. But I hadn't seen Michael or Janet yet. What are you doing? What kind of list are you gonna be like I love Aaliyah? Like the king of pop. And in my opinion, Janet is uh I think underrated as the best female performer musician of all yeah. time. Um and they're not even showing up on the list in the top 40. Like you're crazy. This is a crazy list, Pat. I was so there's so many triggering things happening while I was going through this. Really long, but I'm glad you brought up Michael being so far back here. If, <laughs> if
1: you if you care about music, this list could trigger you. Um yeah. I got I got a couple more too in my notes. You know, Janice Joplin, one of the most powerful for male or female singers of all time, she's mm-hmm. only 78. Um I think Bruce Springsteen should be ranked much higher than he is. He's only at seventy-seven. You and I are both R&B guys, so I'd be surprised if you didn't agree with me. Uh, Luther Vandross only being thirty-one—that's I think D'Angelo at seventy-five is way low. Yeah, yeah. I think think people don't know him
2: though. Man, he like the sound. um, I do think people should go back. And look up, there's like a period of sound of like a blend of hip hop and R and B coming together, uh, like the Roots, Jay Dilla, Erica Badu, and D'Angelo mm-hmm. was really at like the heart of it all. And those two albums he put out in the late '90s, early 2000s, if you are an R and B fan, like uh, the Donny Hathaway, the like the Cla- the Sam Cook, those classics R and uh, I-, I think D'Angelo's albums represent that probably better than anything like out of that 90s, 2000 era. Like it is Mm -hmm. so soulful and good. Um, I do think people should probably get on that because he probably belongs a little bit higher than 75, in my opinion, if I'm pounding the table for a
1: guy back here. I don't like asking. We've talked about this on the show before. I'm not a big fan of asking people who listen or watch to do things. Like I'm not, I end up doing it, but I don't like asking people, you know, to subscribe to the show and like the show and subscribe to the podcast and, and do all this stuff. I'm urging you, especially if you're a younger person, Go Google Donny Hathaway. Go to Spotify music or whatever, and play some of his music. This guy vocally was as good as it gets uh, for anybody. And uh, here, it, go ahead.
2: where were you? Were in the '60s, right? Because I'm scrolling through here. David Ruffin is on this list at 66. And you want to talk about like powerful, influential sound of male vocals? Like mm-hmm. uh, people love the Temptations, one of the better selling Motown groups of all time, spans generations if you know your history on the temptations, David Ruffin was a uh, the lead singer of the temptations for a very brief time. But if you ask anyone to go give you temptation songs, it's going to be all David Ruffin hits. And mm-hmm. he's got hits on his own and his life also ended tragically short. Um, but the, I, I would go on Spotify and look at um, temptation songs. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that raspy David Ruffin sound in those. And then some of his own work in the, the raw pain and emotion in this guy's voice man at 66 like this is what i'm saying when you got no offense to kurt cobain rest in peace he had a huge influence in sound but having those guys at 36 when you have these just
1: beautiful voices sitting back in the 60s drives me nuts dude there's one more thing on my list gripe that i have um that i that i wanted to hit on specifically so i say donny hathaway is my number one male singer of all time my number two Male singer of all time, only comes in at 23 on this list. And it's Smokey Robinson. Not the most powerful voice in our own history, now. but the most distinctive. Just every syllable that comes out of his mouth mm-hmm. is sung with passion. This dude is incredible. And him being 23, again, I, I, like I, I look at that top 20 that I read off to you at the beginning and just, you know, right off the top prince and, I, and I, I like prince but like uh john lennon who you know as much as i love the beatles to your point earlier now you don't love the beatles as much mm-hmm. and that kind of music i do but john lennon was arguably not even the best singer in his own group you know what i mean paul mccartney sure. well, i don't i don't even know where he is on this list I, I don't have him in my notes but anyway how do you not have at Robinson, 26 uh, little richard al green otis redding beyonce Ray Charles. I'm just naming people right now that I, I just passed over.
2: In. One, I think that again is similar to like D'Angelo for me. Uh, at 31, Luther Vandross. Yeah. Like, if there was a more pure, like, just smooth sound to a voice, like Luther is criminally underrated by people that like R&B now. And go, like, if you go back to those, like the sound of the 80s and 90s that smooth jerry curl rnb mm-hmm. like that was luther vandross man and uh grown people know uh that he should be up higher than 31 on this list like that voice was was magic
1: he's uh, top 15 for me it's i was going to say name. i
2: i think i can get him around hovering in the top 10 maybe 12
1: 11 12 somewhere in there now you got, we got to be fair. Again, if we were doing, and I say this all the time, people, always, my list, yeah. I power rank. Well, not even that. So, you know, I'm always power ranking shit. I do it on Twitter or Facebook all the time. And people will always say, well, how did you not have this song in there or this artist in there? That's fair. But if you're going to put someone in, I say this all the time, you're going to put someone in you, but you got to take someone off. who's good. So you do get up to a point where like, you know, sure. you want to put five or six people in the top 10 who aren't in here and then well, all right, well, you got better be prepared. You got to take, five or six off uh, right. the top 10. So it, it could get hard. And again, got, it's such a subjective list. I get that. Good. I got two for
2: you. One, I didn't see Janet at all on this list and that pisses me off. Um, and then, and two other people that I didn't see that I think would be on a Aaron Quinn or a Pat Moran list. And I think actually would be pretty high up for me, Brian McKnight. I don't <laughs> see anywhere on this list. And I think like vocally, Mm-hmm. Um and live, you talked about seeing, seeing people live dude I, I've gone to two Ryan McKnight shows me too I've been to two of them as well I had goosebumps the entire time they have yeah. his voice just live it's a really incredible special thing uh, I, I would have him up there and then uh, Brian Adams
1: I think again a dude that <laughs> has a criminally underrated powerful voice if you're watching this on YouTube I've got it both of them that you just said I'm laughing and here's why because this is how I was gonna wrap it up on my end I have I made a top five list of the most egregious snubs that aren't that from what I seen, aren't even on this list. So I'm going to go backwards. Number five was Brian Adams. Now, really? Should Brian Adams be in the top 40? No, but he absolutely should be on this list. He's got a spot on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Number four, R. Kelly. Now, I think maybe because of the stuff that vocally, I almost said off field like this is a sport. Well, it's like talking about like OJ. Like OJ is the best right. running back in Bill's history. Right. But R. Kelly vocally, I mean, come on, he he should have been out this. Uh, you're list. right. You're right. Number three. Um. Well, this is only singing, so I won't talk about his songwriting and producing and stuff. But Babyface as a vocalist yeah. was incredible. Get him around that one seventy. Just you know, There's he deserved an him. appearance. There's definitely a spot for him for sure. Um. Number two, Brian McKnight, to, to your point, that's why I was laughing. Um, I still have a ticket stub, by the way. I'll never from May something of I don't remember an exact date, but it's 1999 and it's still in my wallet. It was a Brian McKnight concert. It was one of the first one last major things been. that I took uh, my wife to. Actually, it was the year 2000, not 1999. I apologize. I was but- going to say any time must have been his hit. He was at like Chase. right around right around yes. 2000 would have been yep. any time that that yep. song was. I, I, t- I, I took my wife to Shays. In yeah. fact, um, I, I, I think I talked to you before uh, uh, about a corny my proposal and I, I thought it was kind of corny. But at any rate, my, my original plan was I wanted to do it at that concert, the Brian McKnight concert. That's what I was kind of laughing when That'd you said that. So yeah. that was number two. And then number one, look, I don't care whether you like her or, or whether you love her or whether you hate her. How the fuck is Celine Dion not even in the top 200 of the greatest vocalists of all time? When I noticed that, and and you know, it wasn't me. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody from the mainstream media who pointed out this list. And that's what got me going and saying, you know what? This would be a good, fun topic for me and Aaron to discuss. It's almost like they're trolling you. How is Celine Dion not in the top 200? Are you telling me that Taylor Swift is a better vocalist? And again, I don't even have the list in front of me. I could probably name 40 women that are on this list. That ain't better than Celine Dion. Get the hell out of here with that shit. It's pretty wild. It's a wild list, man.
2: Uh, they're just bullshitting. They're trying to get people like you and I worked up, so we talk about it on Twitter.
1: That's all well, this is. Successfully so, done. Yeah. <laughs> what Kudos
0: to you. What other
1: thing? Then a break, then football. This has got nothing to do with this list, but last night, my wife told me, and I thought she was joking, but I don't think she was as, as it kind of sunk in. I sent her a tick tock and she wrote back to me. She said, new kids on the block sucks. And I was like, it about to be my ex-wife saying shit like that. What's your take on new kids on the block in terms of, and this is what I was trying to say with new kids on the block. Cause I, I'm not comparing them to especially in sync because I think in sync and new kids were completely different types of groups. I think vocally new kids on the block, were amazing, quite frankly, late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. And, mm-hmm. you know, then, then it was a wrap for them. But also in terms of where I think you can compare them and in sync and and Boys is in terms of popularity. Like, I, man, dude, I'm old enough to have grown up when New Kids on the Block got hot. And the girls, the teenage girls that I knew, my sister, no, not really my sister, but most girls I knew, right. posters, just complete fanatics all over the place. What you, I'm not going to ask you to compare them to, you know, and to Betcher who came later on. We but should do... Are a, you a New Kids fan? No. We should do a... Um, what do you mean, no? I'm not. I, we should do a
2: power ranking sometime, though, a boy band.
1: Well, apparently they're going to be ranked low on your list. Boy
2: groups, they will be. They'll be, like, maybe even borderline top five what will give them or borderline top 10 um even what, what would give them an advantage in my list would be that the, the influence they had on the market to accept that type of music and to get in those teen magazines and to get on teen walls i feel like they were really the first to capitalize on that sort of how do we get teen girls all excited which i think in like my mom's generation was kind of the beatles maybe like of what we'd heard about but it wasn't really like wanting like crushes like we saw with uh like this was more like girls fantasizing about being with new kids on the block but in terms of music i thought their music was whack i thought that their sound was corny i thought that their style was corny and i thought i have a personal beef with them because i am a new edition guy and oh, me too. I, New Edition, in my opinion, is the original sure. form of that group. And I think what uh, New Kids on the Block and the music industry did was they whitewashed it with some white kids from Boston and they put it out for the mass market who wasn't ready for the urban sound of New Edition, even though it was better music, they were better dancers, absolutely, it was better musicians. um, our culture at that time for whatever reason people can come at me for this it was more palatable to white suburbia to get new kids on the block and go to those concerts and those shows and that is what catapulted them ahead of new edition and i i hate that i hate that type of stuff about the music industry again it's what makes me think people put beyonce on these tops of these lists because she was palatable to the mass market like selling more
1: records does not always equal you or better Right. Like Drake with rapping. Drake yes. Drake is yes. one of the most successful. In fact, he might be the most successful rapper of all he's time. He's not now. the best rapper today. No, he's not even in the top 15 or 12. I don't know 15 rappers today. I was talking about all time. But sure. I, anyway, to your point, like New Edition, yes, they, they, and they were, I agree a thousand percent. And if you want any uh, proof of how good they were, look at how they went on to do individually. They all became really good individually. I would compare like Bad Street Boys more to uh, New Kids on the Block. Like singing, a little bit of dancing, went out very well. sync to me would be the one to say, if you're going to make a comparison years later, NSYNC was more like New Edition in terms of a lot of choreographic dancing, maybe even the Jackson 5. That's what I would, you know, that's what I think about when it comes to sync, because I've always hated people who compare sync to, to New Kids on the Block, just because they're not the same type, except for that they're five good-looking white young kids, yeah, you know what right. I mean, that the mass market loves. Anyway, I I just, I got pissed when she told me that they suck. Let's take a quick break. And then we'll actually talk about something that I know people are going to think are much more important. Uh, Bill's Dolphins. You're right back, folks.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, live up to the minute. Look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign up codes and promos from the sportsbooks to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough. The Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in a betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right. I'm back here with Aaron Quid, So, Let's start with Wednesday. We're taping this by the way, so we're taping this Thursday morning. I need to put that out there when, when something's ish. going on, yeah, around yeah. 10 a.m. Thursday. So, if any you know significant Bills news or, or Dolphins news breaks today, can there be even show. more significant good news for the better? It already? would be harder to top Wednesday because that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, in a matter the of the only news time. might be bad news remaining, yeah, yeah, 20 and in like a 20 minute span on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh. Well, first, let's start with the most important thing, and that's the Hamlin. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. God, you know, and, and I'll tell you, we could have a whole podcast. We got too much to get to, but I can probably have an entire podcast with you just talking about your thoughts about everything that happened. Because, like I said, you being sick last week, you uh, we didn't do a show, or you didn't, you weren't on the show, and honestly. Week.
2: Part of I didn't do shows with anybody last week, and part of it was this, like that DeMar Hammond thing. Like I know it hit a lot of people, yeah. man. This
1: it shook me uh, real. Me too, for I real. Try. Um, go ahead. I, I no, I was gonna say I uh I was supposed to tape on Monday night with Joe Yurden because we do a show every Tuesday. We said right. can't do it, and mm-hmm. then one Tuesday night I tried to do a little something solo, and I just couldn't get through the first twelve minutes at that time. But anyway. Just incredible news. If you think about where he was at Monday and, and, and the likeliness that, you know, or at least the possibility that he wouldn't even be here with us today. He was released from the hospital in Buffalo. We found that out yesterday. We're um, just remarkable. Like I said, a week and a half later from where he was. And uh, you just know that he's going to be on that field. So he's released from the hospital. He's going to rehab at home and with the bills organization. You just know he's. If he's not on the field this week, he. he oh, you he got to save him, win.
2: right? Like we'll be talking about a little bit here in the uh, about the game. Um, <clears throat> not to, I don't think the Bills are sleeping on anyone, and, the, and getting ready for this game is going to be a big deal in that in that building. But I feel like that type of emotion maybe you want to save for. Like I feel like this game coming up might be like a tune-up playoff game, a freebie here with some of the other news we're going to talk about. But uh, I, I feel like maybe save that tomorrow thing. On the DeMar talk, I thought mm-hmm. I talked about this a little bit last night on the Cover One Buffalo podcast. And now being able to kind of process it all and talk about it in hindsight, now that all the news is good, right? All the news is coming up positive sure. for DeMar. And uh, I, I might have been the biggest DeMar Hamlin fan from the time he was drafted. Like, I love pit DBs. I fell in love with this game. You know me. I love like the adequate guy that late round pick that's going to fight his way up, do all the right things, has the right DNA. Like, all that stuff checked all the boxes for a guy for me to like. And then we saw him thrust into that starting role this year. And I was able to really, um, in my opinion, my strength of what I bring to the cover one team is that type of insight on guys that you may think aren't that good. And I can show you why they are uh, mm-hmm. playing at a really good level. And DeMar represented that in so many ways. And, when you do that as a content creator too, uh something kind of behind the scenes happens where people close to that person reach start to reach out to you. Uh, it's happened to me a number of times with players. And I had people in DeMar's uh, life, his father his people in his marketing team, you know, reaching out to me in DMS and Hey, thanks for sharing this information. And so when this all happened, man, like I don't know DeMar personally, like yeah. I don't, but like I've had so much vested in his on field success in the story of this guy. And like really just balling in, in as a fan and supporting this player and when it happened it just felt like just a stunner to me not that I would have felt terrible for any one of the guys right on the field that it happened to obviously um but to me in that personal level it's just like oh this is my guy like and I, I just immediately felt for his fan like I've talked to this guy's dad and we've had conversations of um, you know, people criticizing Damar and he's, you know, talked to me about how hard that is to uh, have those conversations about your son and things like that. And so, and then to see this all play out, I was just heartbroken. And the, the coolest thing was probably the stories of who Damar is and yeah. uh, the, who his family is. And I think you see that now and how he's fought through this and that's, that that Bill's DNA that they go to look for man that this was present in this story.
1: You know, to your point, it's one thing when you cover a guy and you invest some energy and focus on, on covering them. And yes, it, it doesn't matter who it is. I would feel right. grossed out and, and sick for that person. You know, if it was anybody that this yes. happened to um, off the field, you know, these guys like say, I, I, I seen a couple of interviews with sale, Campacho, and obviously I know sale very well. I know some of the other yep. media people. They're around these guys and you know, you could say what you want about the jobs they do. Are they sure. tough enough on the team? Are they too soft or whatever? None of that means anything. They've they've gotten to know these players personally in the locker room, off off the field and stuff. So for somebody like Sal to be on the sideline and, and watching that, it's just man, it, it it is it's tough on the field. I largely agree with you. I, I thought he played really well, all things considered. Um, I, I think the upgrade between or the downgrade, I should say, when he's out between Marlowe or Cam Lewis or Jaquan Johnson is significant. I thought he did a very good job of filling in for Micah Hyde. Um, you can't compare him to Micah Hyde, of course. More on him in a second. I was going to say that was a good segue. More on him in a second. But I, I feel like Hamlet played really, really well early on. Yeah. And then I kind of feel like over the last month or so, he was still playing pretty well. But I felt like maybe he was hitting a wall a little bit. Like he was yeah. starting to make some mistakes. Like I hate even talking about anything football for a half a quarter in that Cincy game. But. Made a couple of mistakes. They gave but Hayden Hurst got past him once. i was like, In fact, well, I remember I was talking about this. I'm like, I yeah. scre- I was screaming at the man on on my TV. To
2: be fair, Administer I think. What happened? All the DBs since Von yes. Miller have gone out. I think you've seen a dip in uh, mm-hmm. ability from other teams to move the ball a little bit more. And I don't think it's a huge problem, but uh, move the ball downfield a little bit more against the Bills
1: since Von Miller's absence. Yeah, that's a fair point. Again, it's not like he was playing bad. I just see a little bit of, you know. Yeah, no, there was was some 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 concerns. His first year starting.
2: Missed tackle stuff. What I will say, but, you know, before we move on, my thought on Hamlin before the incident was, I felt a lot better about the transition of the safety position post-Jordan Poyer. I I thought there would still be a drop-off, but I felt a lot better about it for 2023. Uh, And so hopefully all these signs of recovery lead to, I don't know if he'll ever play again or if he'll ever get there mentally, but he would be welcome back uh, to me going forward for the future. If he was able to, I don't know what the tests have led to or where his recovery is going to go going forward, but uh, I would love uh, the possibility of the best case scenario of DeMar Hamlin coming back to this team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, that'll be a conversation. I'm sure we hopefully had down the line. You feel the same way I do. Let's just get your man. 100% Hundred percent healthy, absolutely, and, and all that stuff, and then we'll worry about that down the road. Now, <laughs> this what was so no, there was a lot. That was of enough buzz. for my day. The there was a was the lot point. of buzz going on over the past twenty four hours, leaning up to Wednesday. That Weeks. this has been. Uh, long Micah long Hyde long. might be coming back because I actually, you know, naturally, once we all knew that. DeMar Hamlin was first going to live and secondly that his recovery is going well and especially that he got released from the hospital I feel like it was okay to start focusing again on football Yes, and once we got to the point of football focus we were like man Micah Hyde it would be nice because we heard little hints that he might try to come back late in the season for the playoffs well that's literally what happened um on Wednesday, the 21-day uh, practice window's been open. He's already been ruled out for Sunday, so we know he's not gonna play. By the way, right. as well, if you watch this on YouTube, Jameson Crowder, same deal. Mike Hyde really stole his thunder, man. He, he, he certainly did. He <laughs> certainly did. Um, let me get your thoughts yeah. on the possibility. Mm-hmm. To, you know, that's a long time to miss, literally the entire season, the preseason, yeah. to come back, and then you're gonna be thrust. Like, let's just say best case scenario he's able to play if the Bills win, of course, this week in the AFC divisional round, quite possibly against the Bengals, but regardless of who the opponent is, whether it's the Chargers, the Jaguars, or the Bengals, it'll be one of those three teams. That's I that, I don't care how great you are. Micah Hyde is a great safety, one of the best in the NFL. But that, that, first of all, on the football field, at a big ask. Off the field, I'm sure it's an, un, not, they need one, but it's a big emotional lift for the team, too, mm-hmm. to see him out there. And I mean, the timing goes without saying they need him. You know, they're going to need him anyway, I should say. Um, Yeah, this was a pretty big bombshell on Wednesday. Yeah, so this one
2: was – we've heard rumblings about this, like you had said, for a while. Banged up Bills had this right when the injury occurred that, like – If you wanted to take the aggressive timeline, you could find a scenario where he could get back in time for some January, maybe even uh, there were some projections just that late, the AFC Championship, Super Bowl games um, with this uh, injury and the the rehab for this injury. So that was the aggressive timeline. Um, When I heard that, I kind of scoffed at it like, yeah, maybe. And as it got closer, obviously – to your point, once the Hamlin uh, situation became more stable and we really felt better about talking about football again, like I've been coming up with my kind of top five or so things that are concerns or things that I'm going to keep an eye on heading into the playoffs for the scene. Like, what are the vulnerabilities for this Bills team? I don't want to say problems because they're such a good team and well-rounded season. I don't want to take away from what they've done this year and accomplished, and I think they're getting healthy at the right time, but... Going before this news of Hyde, the big one was man, that hole that Hamlin left and that there was already a drop off at the safety position. And now you're going to your fifth, sixth safety options. If we're all if we're being serious here, right? Like Jaquan Johnson going into the year was the third safety. He played his way out of that. So Hamlin was really your fourth safety already. So you're already down your fourth safety starting. Mm -hmm. And then you get Cam Lewis, that's what, fifth? Yeah. safety and now you're going to Marlowe so you're into your like s- depth of sixth safety potentially going into the playoffs and in a game against this Miami Dolphins team with a Skylar Thompson at quarterback like okay M- maybe you win a couple of those shots but I don't think it's enough to overcome the Bills team so you can kind of probably hide that in a game like this but against the Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs like those are the matchups that would just keep me up at night as much as I love Dean Marlowe as much as I like Campbell Like they're just not built for those types of games and these types of teams. Uh, Micah Hyde is even the Micah Hyde at 75, 80% is like, this is a huge substantial if it is able to work out. And so when we got that news, my first mental reaction, Pat was, all right, this might just be another feel good story to get him in the practice field, to get him on the practice field with Cam Lewis and Dean Marlowe and just get that sort of coach atmosphere and get the guys rah rah up and excited. But then I heard Micah Hyde's press conference and the way he was talking about this injury and the way he was chomping at the bit to get on the field and he's yeah. ready to go today. I think he's going to if the Bills advance, which I totally expect them to do, I do think he's going to play in that Cincinnati game. And I think he's going to play well, like he sounds mentally there. He sounds fresh, healthy, ready to go. I think he's ready and chomping at the bit to play. And that changes everything all those things you were talking about about you know I I think it's going to help the Bills defensive line get more pressures because they're going to be able to go back to disguising more coverages there's going to be some seamless communication between he and Poirier you saw Poirier and Marlowe trying to communicate a lot of stuff out in that New England game and that's against Mac Jones and uh Parker right like you're going to have bigger challenges where just even the experience of Micah having played in these big games, even if he's not fully healthy, is such a substantial advantage to anyone else that yeah, you're going to be able to roll out. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it just adds to the crazy story of the adversity of this team too. Like it really is shaping up for the best 30 for 30 ever.
1: It really is. This is, yeah. this is, this season has been absolutely nuts on and obviously off the field as well. Real quick here. Cause I do got a couple other things I want to get to, but it's kind of a package deal I think you might use, at least I could be wrong, but it seems like you're, you're more intrigued by Jamison Crowder also practicing than I am. I look at it this way. Let's pretend Jamison Crowder was completely healthy today and he could play in a game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Does he have a path to getting on this game day roster? Like, who comes out? I don't, th- I don't think he's got a path right now.
2: If it was, uh, so this is like talking about music lists, right? Like, if this was Aaron Quinn's team and I was doing the game day active roster and Jamison Crowder was healthy, Already to this point, and all things were equal in terms of health, I would Isaiah McKenzie would be a healthy scratch for me. I I don't know. um, To me, like this is nothing against Isaiah McKenzie, and I feel like people probably think I pile on this guy. It's nothing against them. I just don't. uh, As a player, I don't think that the traits that he possesses are special enough to warrant the spot that he gets uh, and the touches that he gets. When I think that there's guys on the team that have the same traits and offer more. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the gadget role could be Heinz cook Shakir. Um, I think Crowder can do it if healthy. And I do think Crowder to me, the idea of Jamison Crowder, even in a uh, a share of those snaps in McKenzie share, I think, adds a level of production and trust in the slot position that you haven't had since 2020 Cole. Because Cole was banged up a little bit last year. And so to me, there's like a lot of conversation right now about wide receiver two and the lack of production from Gabe Davis and being concerned about Gabe Davis. I actually have more concerns about getting production out of the slot consistently and making that slot position wide receiver two than I have concerns about Gabe Davis. So the reason I'm excited about Crowder is it offers you more opportunities to get
1: something going at the slot. I don't disagree with what you're saying. My, when I say that's not happened, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't think the Bills are going to do that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I sure. probably would agree with you. I think from a, a Bills point of view, if Jameson Crowder is to see any action, if they go far enough or if he's ready to go, it would come at the expense of either Khalil Shakir being sure. inactive on game day, which I would not like that, or they don't, don't elevate Brown or Beasley, neither of them. And then you have Crowder because they've been elevating a wide receiver each week. Which, yeah. by the way, side note, you got a playoff game against Miami, unlimited now. You got Brown, you got Bees. You can elevate one. Who are you elevating?
2: Well, and so like this game would be also a good one for McKenzie because I think they play a lot of man and blitz. And so I would go with the speed, I think, in this one. I think I would go with John Brown and McKenzie and just go speed and say, send some of these guys deep and see if you can take some of those shots.
1: Maybe that one play last week in, against New England it ignites Brown a little more, gives Josh Allen a sure. little more confidence, gives the Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, a little more confidence. Um, I, I could see him playing. We talk about, well, you mentioned it. We didn't really talk about it today and we won't today, but Gabe Davis, some of his struggles, you know, right. having John Brown out there, a speed threat might uh, help open things up too. And if you're not relying too much um, on dig. So anyway, that was the second part. Is Hyde being available or the practice window starting? And then, of course, the big news minutes later, Miami has Mike McDaniels at a press conference, and we find out that Tua is officially out for the game. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's also hurt. I'm not ready to say for sure 100% Skylar Thompson's playing on, ex- on Sunday. The news so, as of yesterday
2: was that is what they are practicing and planning, for, preparing right, for. Right, yeah.
1: And and again, I, a lot. Of people I don't think, think it'll the it'll Bills be... are worried. I mean, it's not like they're like, oh, my God, well, we still need to prepare really hard for Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't see that happening. It's more than just two of them also, by the way. Um, yeah. Raheem Mostert, who I think really hurt the Bills, and you want to go back to that game a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think Miami might win that game if Mike McDaniel – Gets away from having to throw the ball more, and they just keep pounding Moser because the Bills did not have an answer. But anyway, he had broken thumb, thumb surgery. Don't I would not expect him to play. Jerron Armstead might Jeff Wilson is playing in this one though, where I don't yeah. think he's as good, in, but he's a good back. Jeff he's a good back. back. Jerron yeah. Armstead very unlikely to play. They're far and away their best lineman. So look, man, Miami is really injured at, at the wrong time of year. You know, the Bills played them early in the year. It was game. It was week what week three. Different story this time around. I don't care about the injuries. No excuse. You know, right. um, I wrote, I, I, I got to look it up real quick. So I, I wrote a little paragraph for, for Blue Wire Network. They ask us, the football podcasters, to just have a couple sentences about the playoffs and what we think. And, I, and this mm-hmm. was my saying, let me know. If, I'm sure you with this. I said the Kansas City Chiefs got a free ride that AFC divisional round, but it sure feels like the Buffalo Bills also drew a first round bye. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation going into the playoffs if your focus is Let's get the easiest path to the divisional round. Mm-hmm. You're playing a Miami team. I know they're in the division, and I know they yeah. still got some good players. But man, I—I I mean, it couldn't go any better for the Bills, considering the team you're is literally limping in the playoffs. Hypothetically and realistically, getting into the playoffs so yeah. banged up. No quarterback. Their best lineman's out. Their best running backs probably out, and other injuries as well. Man, this is just a. Yeah, and this even is if they healthy.
2: You're pushing towards like a fourteen, fourteen and a half spread. Some people are projecting uh by yeah. game time. Um, which is so significant in the playoffs. Like th- these are supposed to be tight matchups. I think each round last year was all one score game, except for that Bills Patriots game. Uh weren't it wasn't like most one-score games in playoff mm-hmm. history or something like that. So I wouldn't expect that for all of wildcard weekend is actually shaping up for pretty much blowouts, except for that uh Bucks. Uh, Cowboys game. Everything else is looking like blowouts, and this one is looking like the biggest of the week. It's got the biggest spread. Yeah, that Tua news is just devastating. We had Tom uh, from Dolphins Talk on our podcast last night. It's a great follow um, for anyone on Twitter. He's a really cool Dolphins fan, and he I just felt so bad for him when he came on our show and sat in the green room. I was just like, look, man, like, thanks for being a good sport and coming on tonight, because I I don't know that I would if we got that kind of news heading into the playoffs. If if you were going in the playoffs with say you know steph diggs with a broken something and josh allen is out with concussion protocol like
1: you were just and you, you know, dawkins is a probably out yeah for. he's like, hurt and you just yeah and your Chubb defense is, is probably chubb's still, chubbs still not practicing i forgot to even mention that you know that's right. the guy to give up a first round pick for so yeah it's it'd be like rizzo not playing potentially either i mean it's it it's would be tough. uh and just you know
2: we can say whatever we want about Dolphins fans. I actually don't interact with them real quick. I don't interact with other fans all that much. I see all the complaining about, like, oh, these fan bases suck, but whatever. They're still fans at the end of the day. They put a lot into this. And to have your first playoff game in six years be with this roster and this shambles of a team, while the other team we just talked about is yeah. getting healthy at the right time and they're the Super Bowl favorites uh, all, all preseason long. Like, uh, it just couldn't go any two different ways. I kind of feel bad. I do feel, well, the part of me that wants, I just want the easiest path to the Super Bowl and just get one freaking Super Bowl in my life. Sure. Uh, so I don't care about that. But th- as a football fan, I do feel part of us was raw because I do believe the Miami Dolphins rivalry is back. I think they're going to be good and, uh, for absolutely. a few years. Uh, and I, part of me wants to see kind of those teams go at it for a third time in a big game and kind of see what happens in terms of just like, good rivalry you look back at some of those 90s playoff matchups like that's what ignites really great all-time rivalries
1: i agree and look man I, you you, you got to admit this much whether people want to say it this way i said this on twitter and got it somehow I ended up getting blasted for it i don't even know how it's possible but you know how bills fans could get look there's no pressure on the miami dolphins none Person zero. on the world thinking they're gonna win all of the pressure is on the bills i can't remember you can't fumble game. this game away yeah you you can't lose this game so I said all the pressures on the Bills. If they lose this game, being the Super Bowl, it'll be the
2: Billsiest thing ever.
1: Basically, all of 2022, the winter, the spring, going in the summer, the the season, they've been the Super Bowl favorites, Um, all the stuff that's happened off Mm -hmm. the field. This feels like they've
2: maintained the stats to prove that those Super Bowl favorites weren't incorrect. Like
1: they won 13 games. They were top five offense, defense, special teams. Like this is a good football team. And you go back to last year in the 13 seconds, the fact that Bills should have went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. If they were to lose in the first round, against a third string quarterback. Oh my God. This would be, and you know, kind of go back to when I was talking at the beginning of the show, just a season can end abruptly and the content and having a, you know, not taking a break, putting it out. You have to admit, as a content creator, forget about how the Bills feel or the fans, even us. Let's be selfish here for a second. Can you imagine – it's hard to even imagine. But Greg, Greg and Aaron do a, a live post-game show after every post-game on cover. Greg 1. won't can do it if we lose this you, game. Can you, would, he, would he not do it? Can you imagine? It would push him, man. I think that
2: would be his breaking point. He's always and, done the show. We got on after 13 seconds.
1: I don't know if he would do it. I could, I could potentially, in my mind, see next week a scenario where my first podcast of the week is talking about a really tough divisional round loss to Cincinnati. I could at least see that in my mind. Or yeah. if Cincinnati were to lose somehow to Baltimore, I could see a, even you know, maybe the Lamar Chargers or back, Jaguars hey uh, upset them. I just sure. can't envision getting on this microphone next week and talking about a Bills loss to a third-string quarterback at home, the Miami Dolphins, their divisional rival, in mm-hmm. the first round, which makes all the pressure. Now people turn that around, and we're talking about how the Dolphins had no chance. I'm like, no shit. That's why I'm saying the nobody thinks they have
2: a chance. Yeah.
1: No, no, should Anyone think they have no. a chance? There's just there's not. No, I saw a tweet
2: earlier of um one of the Dolphins beat guys from yesterday put out uh, the they were all dancing and like high five and stuff, and he's like, oh, the Dolphins feel loose. I'm like, goddamn, they better feel loose. They had there is no pressure on them to come out and perform well. Everyone's expecting this game to be thirty-five to ten. 34 to 10, like everyone in the world uh, that that is the fear, right? It's like, you'll get all the national broadcasts that lean up to the game. It'll just be a slate of everybody picking the bills. The bills have the pressure to go out and win this game. And now Greg Thompson made a great point on our show last night because I was getting frustrated at the idea of like, I think a bad case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario is losing this game, right? Like, which there's a path they could run the ball, score 20 points if they got a bunch of turnovers, they can limit the Bills. They were the only sure. team to limit the Bills to under 20 points. Like, they're, I don't think this Dolphins team is going to come out and drop 30. I think there's a path to them trying to limit the ball and and old-school, run-the-clock-out type game. Um, but Greg made a great point that it ultimately won't matter how the Bills win. Even if it is a close game or closer than we want, this is elimination football. So just sure. winning is good enough. But my point was, the way this game is set up and the way this season has been, and you're getting healthy at the right time. I think it's imperative to go and blow this team out and handle business and get healthy and get Josh Allen out of that game as soon as possible and just make it. I, I think it would be a huge problem for the bills. If they're, if this is one of those games, they got to grind out a victory into the fourth quarter. Like I don't need them to exhaust any more energy handling this win than they need to, to save that energy here through this playoff run, like to bring it back to basketball. Uh, I think it was last year, the year before Celtics, I felt like were probably the team that should have won the NBA finals, but they had like four seven game series leading into the finals. And I think by the time they got to the finals, they were just too, it was too much. I think football can be that same way as the the context of how you win those games and and the energy that you exert to get it done. And that's what would be my problem of going into kind of a lame game where all the pressure is on you.
1: Sure. That's the downside. The upside is they're the better team. Just go out and stomp them. And you might get Josh Allen and a lot of these guys getting the fourth quarter off. I hope so. It's It's my birthday. That's all I want for my birthday is
2: just a dominating Bills victory. Oh, it's Sunday? Yeah. January 15th, 39. My last trip
1: around the 30s. (laughs) I'm going to end this episode with a bold prediction. I know the uh, trendy thing. Everyone always tries to come up with an upset in the first round. The yeah. trendy thing is saying that the Giants are going to beat the Vikings. And I get the logic behind that? I'm mm-hmm. going to throw some bold at you, though. Mm-hmm. I think the Baltimore Ravens could beat the Cincinnati Bengals. With who's is it going to be? Probably um, Huntley. I mean Lamar. They're still. It's still allegedly is it Yeah, he's sore, but he, he was throwing at practice. Lamar's still not practicing. I'm just here's my real quick point. They're playing each other for the third time. Mm-hmm. They're They're. Their games are always close. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati had a lot to play for last week. Baltimore rested Andrews. They rested J.K. Dobbins. They got a good defense. They can run the ball. They can control the ball. I'm not saying, you know, they, you should sure. let the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just telling you, people were sounding like it would be the Dolphins beating the Bills. To me, it's not. Cincinnati yeah. is a very good team. Cincinnati can very well beat the Bills and the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that can't happen. But I'm telling you, man, don't sleep on the Ravens. They got a good defense. They got playmakers on offense or at least control the clock. Keep that game close. Get it down in the last seven, eight minutes, a one possession game, and anything can happen. I would not be – nobody knows the Cincinnati Bengals better than the Ravens is what I'm saying. Yeah. And and who knows? Maybe Lamar didn't practice in like 30-some days, so I, I don't see it happening. But I don't know, man. I, I just get this gut feeling that that's going to be a uh, – a really close game very late. Yeah, I like it. Um, I, I think that's, in terms of upsets, uh, I think that's a fair one to pick for sure. Yeah, and, and and look, if Cincinnati blows him out, I'm just going to make sure the last five minutes in his podcast gets uh, oh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> eat it forever. Anyway, make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Wish him a happy birthday on Sunday. Appreciate and that, then man. after the Bills game on Sunday, make sure you head right on over to Cover One. They will be live, Aaron and Greg. Hopefully, talking about a comfortable, stress free, injury free Buffalo Bills victory. As you're doing the show, buddy. Thank you, man. Good to see you.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast